Plant a church in uh, September of next year. And uh, I want to give a little bit of update for you guys. In January, in the first couple weeks of January, we got up here. Me and my wife and my, uh, my brand new son uh, got up here. And we shared that we, uh, we God placed on our heart uh, the, the, the need to plant a church in South Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, so I want to come up here at the end of the service, so if you are online, don't tune off if you want to hear what Catalyst here in uh, Central Kentucky plans on doing uh, in the following year. Uh, but this is our final week of Grace Marriage. Um, uh, John started off, Dave spoke uh, in, the, in the meat of this series, and I am finishing it off. Um, today we're going to talk about uh, how we are better together. Couples in this church, couples in marriage, we are better together. And if you want to stay together, those who worship together, stay together. I think I can stand up, in here, stand up here confidently and say that this series, this Grace Marriage, has been one of the most fruitful series that we've ever had uh, this year at Catalyst. I've had so many amazing conversations uh, with young people about their future spouse. I've had an incredible amount of conversations with our college students have went off. I've had some great conversations with them about their future spouse and some of the, the students that still remain here. I've also had some great conversations with some of our young adults and people my age about their marriages and how uh, they can increase uh, their marriage, how it can get better here and now, and what, how, they can, how can they improve their se- themselves to be better leaders within their marriage. I've had plenty of other conversations with John and Dave, and they have had the exact same experience I have with amazing conversations uh, with those around relationships, and I'm so thankful for this series. And I can say that here at Catalyst, we value marriage, and we've, we've, we've designated an entire series based on it. We're going to start an entire ministry surrounding it because we believe in biblical marriage. Uh, see, here, I'm going to give you a little insight on what it's like to be a youth minister and preach on a Sunday morning. Uh, see, what happens is you get the leftovers. I'm just going to be honest with you guys. Never in my life uh, did John or Dave go like, guys, we have this fantastic worship series. We're going we're to do this new series. I'm really pumped about it, and we're going to have you start it off. That never happens. John and Dave uh, were both youth ministers for a long time, and they can attest to that. And, and the worst part about it is that this is about marriage. Now, I love mar- marriage. I've been married for a little over six years. But the worst thing about ending a series is you always have to follow Dave. And, and it's about marriage. The dude's been married forever. And he's had, like, <laughs> he's had like four kids. And they've all gone to my youth ministry and they've all drove me insane. But I love them. I do, I do love them. I'm the youngest person on staff I've been married a little over six years. I have, in fact, actually been married three months longer than John Kelly, but he's, he had kids way, way before me. And I have, I have an amazing marriage. I have an amazing wife, but I have this brand new kid who is, is beautiful. If you've seen photos on Facebook or videos, he's he awesome. But he has my hyperness, like me, like not wanting to sit down and just keep on going and going, which is wearing out his mom. And also he is already starting to antagonize her. Like, uh, he just said, first word was dada, which already made her mad. And then she would look at him and say, say mama. And he would laugh right in her face and go, dada. <laughs> and luckily, yesterday, uh, I had to rewrite my sermon on this. He actually said mama for the first time yesterday, uh, which, was, which was huge for, for my wife. She was super excited about it. But through all that, through the ups and downs and me getting the, and me getting the ending of worship uh, marriage thing, all of this, I can say, no matter what happens in life, 
no matter what's going on in the world, no matter what's going on with COVID or, or political stuff or anything, I know that my marriage is one of the most important things. And that when me and my wife are together, nothing else matters. That we are better together in every situation, and I can stand up here confidently knowing that. See, when I was in Bible college, I went down to Johnson University in Knoxville, Tennessee. A lot of my Old Testament professors were actually celibate. Um, they decided in an early age, they were all in their 60s, that they were not going to get married. That, they're, uh, that God called upon their life that they were not going to be married. So we, I studied under people in the Old Testament, which is all, has a lot of marriage and a lot of family aspect to it, under single people. And I remember I was, I was just dating my, my wife at the time. Uh, we weren't married. I was just dating. And I, I just believed everything that they said. Like, their perspective of interpreting the scriptures, especially in those Old Testament ones, I was like, oh, I, I understand that. Uh, I, I, I can see how that happened. But now that I'm married, it's completely different, I can tell you. Have you, you guys know the story of Adam and Eve, like the beginning parts when they're in the garden. You know, Adam ate the, ate the fruit and then gave it, or sorry, Eve ate the fruit, then gave it to Adam, and then God came and he was mad, and they're like, what did we do? See, whenever I read that scripture as a single person, I'm like, okay, yeah, whatever. But as a married person, I think they left out some parts in the scriptures. You see, what, what I, I can completely believe that this happened. See, I, I see that, that God was like, you can eat from any of the fruit. It's, it's okay, you can eat it. And Eve uh, by, went by herself, and because Adam was probably on a cell phone not paying attention, was tempted by the devil by herself, and she had this great idea, we're going to eat the fruit. And she went and ate it, and, and obviously Adam's not paying attention, and then she made this dinner in front of him, and just placed it in front of Adam. And us guys are like, oh, food, and just starts eating it. And then God comes down, and he's like, what the heck? And then Adam's like, I don't even know what's going on. <laughs> Some of you guys can relate to that. And the other story, Ananias and Sapphira, this is a very small story in, uh, in Acts. And these two, this couple had this great idea, which was fantastic, that they were going to sell all their property, all their property and give it to the early church. And everybody was excited about that. Everybody was pumped about it. But what ended up happening is they, they spent slash kept part of it back. But they told the church and the Holy Spirit that they gave everything. And because of that, they were struck down dead in front of the entire church because they lied to the church and to the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, how in the world? Why did they spend the money? How in the world could they have spent that money when they said they were going to give it to the church? Now that I'm married, I understand. See, what probably happened is they were on probably around New Circle Road, and they just sold their land coming from, like, Bank of Lexington or something. They're driving down, and they see Cabela's, and it's deer hunting season. And they, they look at Cabela's, and the husband's like, I have this fantastic idea. I'm going to buy a trailer. I'm going to put it in the middle of nowhere. And the wife's like, well, when are you going to go to it? I'm going to go to it one time a year, and I'm going to buy three guns. I'm never going to shoot them, but I'm going to buy them. And, and then he goes, and he spends all the money, and then he gets back in the car, and the wife's livid. Like, we have to tell them, you spent the money. And he's like, I had to. What do you mean? There's no other option. I had to spend and buy that camper. And they continue down, and then they met the church, and they're like, well, you have to lie. We have to lie, because you spent all this money, and everybody thinks you're ridiculous. And he's like, I had to buy it. I had to spend the money. And he goes in, and the, and the story ends with them uh, dying because they lied to the church. See, when you are married, and you read the Bible, it is a completely different perspective. When me and Kaylee uh, first uh, started dating, we were like 17 at the time. We started when we were 16 years old, and I quickly turned uh, 17 like two weeks later. And uh, Kaylee uh, got a new cat. Uh, their, their cat had passed away and it had been a few months, and uh, Dennis and Janie, her, her parents, got a call from the vet saying they just got a brand new white cat. 
and uh, they're looking for somebody to adopt it. So Kaylee really wanted this cat, and they brought it home. He's still alive to this day. It was never really her cat. He still lives with Dennis Cheney to this day. Uh, but Kaylee wanted to buy him like a little home, and there's these things called cat trees, and they're like, little, they're like little towers or little homes for your cat. It's what crazy people buy because they love their cat, even though the cat just, in theory, I think, just wants to find different ways to eat you. I think that's what cats are doing. Um, so we, we, we decide that we're, we're going to build this thing together. We're 17 years old. And we, we, we open the box, the small little box, and we spread out all the pieces. And I immediately see the instructions, and I toss them to the side which is always a great idea. And then Kaylee's like, no, we need those instructions. So I start putting it together the way that I think it should go. And obviously it's not right. So she's like, no, we need to do this and that. And it ended up being a really good experience. And even her parents look at us and be like, oh, you guys are a young couple. This is your first time working together. Let's see how it goes. And I think we did a pretty good job. I, I think we did pretty good. I was 12 years ago. I think we did a pretty good job. But we ended up building this thing super fast. And fast forward 12 years later, uh, Kaylee's parents uh, decided that they were going to move to Jesmond County uh, over the summer. And they're sifting through all of Kaylee's stuff and all, this, all these things. And they take a photo of this cat tree and they send it to both of us. And they say, do you want this cat tree? And of course, we, we don't want the cat tree because it's 12 years old and it's nasty and full of hair. But <laughs> I, the reason I tell this story is because that's, that's a story I'd probably forget. Like, uh, something that I would build, you know, like, I've, I've built plenty of things in my house, and I can't even remember when I built them, and they just kind of pop up, and uh, I have this scrap wood laying around my garage, I'm like, why do I have scrap wood? I don't remember building anything. That's just, those are just stories that I, that I forget. But because Kaylee and I did it together, that's a memory that I will remember for the rest of my life. Because we decided to do something to get together, I have a fantastic memory of me and my wife building something for the very first time when we were in high school. And my first point is this. Two is always better than one. Two in every, in every aspect of life is better than one. No matter if you're married or in a relationship or just have friends, two is always better than one. In Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12, uh, Solomon wrote this. Two are better than one. Because they have a good return for their labor. If either, if either one of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if you lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? The one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. See, I love that scripture, uh, one, because it's quoted in every single wedding that you'll ever go to, and it was probably quoted at your wedding uh, whenever you got married. Actually, the person that married me and Kaylee uh, decided to show up today, uh, which is fantastic, and you spoke that at our wedding, and, it is, and it's still like drilled in the back of my head. And the second reason of it is the, the author of this kind of throws in this cord of three strands at the very end. He's talking about two people and two people and two people, and then all of a sudden he throws in this third person, which we realize over time when we're studying is the force of God. That two people become one, not because it's just two people coming together, but the reason that they're able to come together and become one is because of the force and the grace and love that God brings to us. That there's no way that two people 
just regular people would connect in the way that marriage brings two people together if God is not a part of it. God is the, the center and focal point of our marriages and keeps all of us going and keeps all of us together for the rest of our lives. See, I have a, I, I've mentioned this multiple times. My new son uh, brings a whole bunch of new things that I had no idea about. Um, apparently, I was ignorant to children uh, for all of my life. I even uh, ran uh, children's ministry uh, for a year and a half here at Catalyst, and I was in the nursery like every week, which was awesome. And even after that, I'm like, man, I, I think I got babies down. Nope, I have no idea. And uh, the things that come out of babies and, and noises, uh, it's a lot. Um, and I'm still learning. I'm still, every day is a new battle. But I learned something fascinating about this peanut butter that, that babies can eat when they're like six months. Those who have kids might understand this. This peanut butter is gross because it's like three ingredients. It doesn't have all those rich, like extra additives that are terrible for you. That's the good stuff. If you got that peanut butter that's nice and creamy and you can leave it in your uh, cabinet for six years and you take it out and it's still creamy, that's the good stuff. This stuff, however, is disgusting because if you leave it outside for like 12 hours, it starts to separate and it's gross. You can like see the water on top which I'm not eating that. And I'm like, she's like, give it to the kid. I'm like, if I would, that's gross. It's just water. But I learned something about that. Um, this peanut butter has like three ingredients to it. It's, it's very, very simple. And if you sit it still for a long time, and you don't engage with it at all, you just sit it on the table, it will start to separate. It will, it will start, to, start to look different. Even though the label says that it's peanut butter, when you look inside, you can tell that it is definitely not peanut butter. But it, it, in reality, it's just three ingredients that were together at one point. See, couples who worship together stay together. But couples who do nothing together become like that baby peanut butter. You know it's peanut butter because the label says it's a peanut butter. But in reality, when you look inside of the container, you can tell this is not peanut butter at all, but it is vastly different. Couples, if we want to be better together, we have to engage in worship together. Now, worship is a general term that we use quite often. A lot of the times we, we, we label it as singing. But, but, but worship is so much more than just singing. Singing is just one aspect of worship that we can engage in on, a daily, on our daily basis. See, the, 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 the worship um, definition is an expression of reverence and adoration to a deity. That is the definition that we need to go by, not uh, any other definition that you see. It is where we, we, we take ourselves out of ourselves, we stop thinking about ourselves, and we place everything onto a deity which we worship as God. And worship can come in, in plenty of different forms. And I want to share some of the things that have happened in my life between me and my wife that I believe have brought us together over the years. That, that every single year when we continue to engage in this, that our marriage gets better and better every single year. I remember when we first got married, our first year, um, we were still down in Knoxville. She was finishing up her master's, and we had no idea what we were doing. Uh, when you, when you uh, get married and you throw college in it, and I was like working this terrible job that was miserable, and she's doing school, and we're still in college, and all of our friends had graduated, it was just a really hard year. It, it, we, we were out of our element already, and then we put two people that have never lived together in a house, and we're, we're like, good luck. But as soon as we got to Catalyst, we started engaging in certain different types of worship that we never thought about before. 
And I want to share with some of those with you today. The first thing is this. Worship through Sunday mornings. Your Sunday morning ex- experience, your Sunday morning church, like here in Calus, if you're online, our Sunday morning experience here is so vital to your marriage every single week. Where you come together, you have fellowship with other Christian believers, whether they're single or, in, or, or married, and you engage with the fellowship of believers. If you prioritize Sunday mornings, your marriage will last a long time, and you will be better together if you show up together here at church. The next thing um, is worship through tithing. The tithing, let me explain tithing uh, real quick to you guys. It comes from the word tenth, uh, which means that we need to give a tenth of the beginning of everything that we bring in. And we do this because it is a uh, de- declaration that we are trusting God with everything that we own. And we're so trusting in God that we're going to say, we're going to give our first to you that you're going to take care of us with the rest of the money that we have. One of the best things that me and my wife have ever done together is when we come together and we decided we are going to, we are going to tithe every single week. It doesn't matter if we have the money or not. We are going to give and God is going to bless us and he's going to take care of us with the rest of the money that comes in. And I can tell you confidently that he has taken care of us every step of the way. Putting God first, especially in your finances. The next thing, worship through giving. Now, this is a little different than tithing. Tithing is giving your first, and giving is, is everything above and beyond. This is when you and your wife decide, or you and your, 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 your spouse, you and, you and your, or even friends in relationships decide, we are going to give above and beyond to, to help somebody in need. We're going to give above and beyond just the, the general things that God asks. This is where you decide, and you have to budget time, and you, and you set out a certain amount of time or talent or something in your daily life, and you say, this is going to be designated for somebody else besides ourselves. That will immediately bring you guys together and focus your marriage not on yourselves, but on other people. The next thing is worship through prayer. Uh, this absolutely fascinated me. I had a class in um, at my freshman year of college uh, with um, a professor who uh, did a full study on uh, relationships and divorce. And most of it was really depressing because most of the, I would say, most of the semester we talked about all the negative things. And then at the end of the semester, we talked about the positive things that would actually glue you together as a relationship and give you greater chances of surviving um, marriage. And one of the things was prayer. And she talked about those who pray together Specifically, those who decide every single day that they are going to pray for their spouse. They're going to pray for their spouse's health. They're going to pray for their spouse's job. They're going to pray for uh, their spouse on their daily walk with Christ to make sure that nothing is going to stand in the way between their relationship with Jesus. The people who did that, the divorce rate on them was less than 2%. Those who actually prayed for each other. And I promise you, if you pray for your spouse, all the little nitpicky things that get in your way, uh, the, the little miscommunications that you have throughout the week, those will all go away because you care more about the person than the little things throughout the week. The next thing is worship through study. This is where you decide that the Word of God is very important in your relationship, and you center at least part of your day around the words that Jesus and God have, have given to all of us. 
That you decide that you're going to live by the scriptures and not by your own desires and your own thought processes, but you're going to put God in front of everything that you do. The next thing is worship through biblical conversation. This is something that I would say I'm, I'm very proud of here at Catalyst, that we are very good with biblical conversation. We had a, we had a staff meeting uh, about six months ago. Uh, we were talking about why in the world do our students not leave the church after they graduate high school? Uh, because statistically, it's some like, crazy amount number that uh, I think it's like a fourth or, or no, 75%, that's what it is. 75% of all high school students will stop leaving or stop going to church like two years after they, go to, after they leave high school. And here at Catalyst, 90% of our, not, over 90%, maybe 95% of our students who graduated from Catalyst continue to go to church. And we were like, why, why is this happening? It's not because of anything I'm doing. And what we, our conclusion was is that these students are having biblical conversations throughout the week. That in their homes, they're talking about Scripture. And whenever their parents and, and their older people go to community groups, they're watching them having biblical conversations every single week. And when they're in children's ministry on Sunday mornings, they're, they're in their small groups and they're having biblical conversations. And on Wednesday nights, they're continuing those biblical conversations. And they've surrounded their weeks with f- at least four different opportunities where they're either engaging or listening to biblical conversation. If you want your family and your relationships to stay together, continue in those biblical conversations. Even if they get hard, even if they get tough, make sure that you center your conversations around biblical stuff. And here's, my, here's the last thing, which is absolutely my favorite, and I think has done an amazing job keeping me and my wife uh, focused on God. And it has continued to keep our relationship sealed throughout the six years of ministry, is when we serve together. This is my favorite thing in the world. I remember when we first got here, uh, my very first trip was a trip to Summer in the Sun at uh, Kentucky Christian University. And it was a high school week, and we had like four kids, and my wife joined us on that trip, and it was like the best week of my wife, of my life. I absolutely loved it because everything that we did, we did it together. Every conversation, every study that we did, we had a conversation about it first, and then we engaged with the students and watched them understand Scripture and watched them engage in worship. And together we felt accomplished because we were leading young people together. And as we continued, she volunteers in children's ministry and she volunteers in women's ministry. And a huge part of that also is me encouraging her to go um, serve as well being that that force behind her, encouraging her to engage in women's ministry and lead those Bible studies and continue to serve in children's ministry and continue to raise our beautiful young boy. Though that has been the best thing for our marriage throughout our almost six and a half years of being together. I absolutely love it. And to end end this sermon, I want to give you guys a little bit of advice of something... uh, that one of my favorite professors and mentors uh, said uh, in a class, and I still remember this to this day. Uh, he passed away a couple months ago, and when he passed away, I, I immediately remembered this conversation uh, that we had in class. The conversation came up uh, after, after chapel. It was, a, it was a 10 o'clock class right after chapel, and I think this student just was having a rough time. And he asked uh, my professor, his name was Dr. David Reese, we just called him Doc for short, and he said, have you ever had a time where you did not want to worship. 
where you got up and you had to go to chapel and you just didn't want to sing, you didn't want to listen to the sermon? Or has there been a time where you just didn't want to engage with your relationships? Like you didn't want to talk to your girlfriend, you didn't want to talk to your wife, and you woke up and your roommate's next to you and you had no desire to have any Christian conversation or any conversation in general around that. And this is what he said. He said, do what you're supposed to do, not what you feel. If your heart's not in it, do it anyways so that your heart may follow. I'm going to say that one more time. Do what you're supposed to do, not what you feel. If your heart's not in it that day, do it anyways so that your heart may follow in your decision's path. I'm going to ask the band to come back up. See, I believe in America that marriage has been absolutely hijacked. See, marriage is is a biblical term that the Bible has designated between a man and a woman. And, and, And now we have just marriage having a thousand different definitions. And specifically around the word love. See, love has been a, a huge conversation on social media and on news and, on, and, and even different churches on what in the world does this word mean? What does it mean? How do we engage in love if we have a thousand different definitions? But I want to share with you the definition that we read in John 15, 13. It says this, Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend. So we get from this, the definition of love is love is not a feeling. Love is a choice. If you want to engage in your marriage, if you want to engage in Christian conversation, it all has to come together through love. And love is a choice. It's not a feeling. It's a choice every single day when I wake up. 99% of the time I can say that, that this choice is easy. Like I wake up and I, I'm excited to see my wife, I'm excited to see my son, I'm excited to come to work, and when I come home from work, I'm excited to see my wife and my son all over again and, and have a great night with my wife. Or if I'm with my friends, when I hang out with them, I, I, I get excited, like it's just a natural thing to do. But there is that 1% of the, of the time where because of outside forces or me just waking up on the wrong side of the bed that I don't, I don't want to see anybody. I don't want to read my Bible, I don't want to sing songs, I don't want to come to church but you do it anyways because it's important. And you do it so that your heart may follow. And I can say every single time that I decided I'm still going to go hang out with my friends or I'm still going to come to Sunday worship or I'm still going to write that lesson or I'm still going to continue to worship on Sunday mornings. I'm still going to actively pray for my wife. Every single time my heart follows and I'm thankful for it. In Genesis 2, through 25, it says this, then the Lord God made a woman from the rib from the rib he had taken out of the man. And he brought her to the man, and he said, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she has taken, she was taken out of man. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united with his wife, and they become one flesh. See, God created the sacred act of a man being united with his wife. What I wanted, really wanted to do is I wanted to bring uh, Ian Sayer up here like I always do in my sermons. And I wanted to like, come and bring him up here and like, gr- grab his rib and say, does that hurt? Don't mess, up your, don't mess up your marriage because next time God might not put you to sleep and might just rip the rib right out. So because I don't have enough time and I'm running out of time, uh, if you see Ian, go grab his rib 
as a reminder not only for him, but a reminder for you. And if you're online, just grab the person's rib beside you. And if you could, just put a comment down below on this live stream, because I'd love to hear what happened after you did that. <laughs> See, marriage is a sacred and holy, is sacred and holy, and we need to treat it like that. We need to stop believing that God is, is, is holding out on us, that, that we need to do things before marriage, or we just need to quickly dive into things, and we just need to do it our own way, because we know better. See, marriage is good. Marriage is incredible, and I've enjoyed it so many times, and I've had plenty of conversations with plenty of you that say, my relationships and my marriage is incredible, and I wouldn't trade it for the world. I'm going to pray for you guys. I want to pray for your marriages. I want to pray for your future spouses. Um, here at Catalyst, I can say that we desire for good marriages. We love seeing people get married, and we love when people engage in the Christian lifestyle of marriage. And I can also say that we actively pray in staff meeting for, for those who are single for your future spouse. That we pray that God is, is grooming them to be a Christian leader so that you guys can make a huge impact together in the Christian faith. I'm going to do that for you guys right now and pray for you and then we're going to continue in worship. Dear Father, I want to thank you so much for uh, today. Where we get to come together and worship, uh, hear your word, uh, and, and to center our hearts around you. God, I ask that if there's anybody here that, that did not want to come today, I, 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 I'm thankful that they decided to come today, that their heart may follow. God, I want to pray for everybody's marriage here, that, that they center their hearts and everything around you so that you can be the glue that keeps them together forever. God, that you are the one and the reason why their marriage is successful and not because of anything online or any internet thing that they read. God, I want to pray for the future spouses of our young ones, that you are preparing them for a life of being together and doing ministry together and praying together and tithing together and worshiping together so that they can make a huge impact in your kingdom and to spread Jesus' name to the ends of the earth. God, thank you so much for marriage. God, thank you so much for this series. God, thank you so much for Catalyst and everyone who decided to show up and worship you today. God, you are good. You are great, and ask us all in your son's name.